Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Well, that's a great start to the podcast. Oh, crap. I didn't know you had press record. We're still jamming from our latest, from episode three. Welcome to episode four, people. Yes, welcome back to Pero Let Me Tell You. Uh, it's episode four. We actually, uh, just as a little behind the scenes, pull back the curtain. We record about two episodes every time we get together because we like don't to. Tell, don't tell our production behind the scenes secrets. No, but okay, these are our people. Yo, estamos entre familia. You know, mm-hmm. listen, everybody's un primo. Even, Even if they're not. Even now. <laughs> so, you know, you let them in on, on the, the behind-the-scenes secrets. You know what's really funny? That makes you feel included. You know what's really funny? When you were growing up, and, and you were close to all these people, and then you realize that they were not your aunts and your uncles. You related to none of these people by blood. In Cuba... Ophelia, la mamá de Ernesto, era mejor amiga con Xiomara, Zoraida. Y cuando nació Silvita, ella la cuidaba y le daba la leche. Entonces, de ahí se. Man, como familia. I mean, it's. It's also, I think, just the, the, the remnants of most people in Cuba, kind of, you were born in your town, you lived in your town, you died in your town. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you were just surrounded by the same people, well, the same families. Yes, and in reference to my family, which was <laughs> in a town of, uh, what is it, two, three thousand people, everybody married each other. Not too different than, you know, pigeon so, fort. Oh, so, uh, we don't want to fetch our <laughs> listeners in pigeon fort. Listen, we do not want to rile up Dolly Parton. No. Because we love us on Dolly. No. Actually, it was one of the best concerts you and I ever went to, actually. Yes. And we've been to Dollywood, so yes. we love Pigeon Forge. Yes. We love the barbecue in Pigeon Forge. Oh my god, it was so good. Yeah. I actually enjoy Pigeon Forge even more than Gatlinburg. Because it's less tourist-trappy? Yeah, I feel like Gat- Pigeon Forge, to a lot of people, is the ugly stepsister to Gatlinburg. And here we are, three minutes and one to our <laughs> Better Let Me Tell You podcast, <laughs> talking about Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg. Aww. And also... I feel that pigeon. But you, 
kind of to bring it back though like have you noticed how many cubans go to tennessee that's what i was about to say <laughs> we drive up there like and we were going to, that's our aspen that is our aspen <laughs> that is our aspen you know rich white people go to aspen we go to pigeon Ford Nosotros to we, jump, uh-huh, we jump in the Red, carro and they <laughs> eat to pigeon Ford the cabeza the cabeza non-stop non-stop no, no there's no time no no, no, no. You pee in a bottle or on the side of the road and you keep going. Yeah. yeah. Entre pipo y pipi. <laughs> Manejan. Manejan. Idale. How long is it? Like 20 hours? You know, it's a long drive. Well, you know, getting out of Florida takes about five days. Well, okay. Think about when we've done the drive to, to my parents' cabin in North Carolina. Uh-huh. That was a whole day. That was a whole so day. So now let's add a couple more hours to that. Ugh, and you have to go... Oh my god, that's kind of like when we drove to Michigan again. But that's a whole other story. Uh-huh. That could be its own podcast. Oh, we were in Florida be. and Alabama for about two weeks, and oh my god. we didn't stop driving. I think we time traveled. <laughs> anyway, so, well, anyway, welcome back, episode welcome four. Back. Here we are, <laughs> episode numero cuatro. Yes. So you know, we were just talking about uh, Pigeon Forge and Dolly Parton, and of course, she's a huge icon of icons, and another gigantic icon is of course the legendary EGOT winner Rita Moreno mm-hmm. who is currently starring on the Netflix original series One, One Day, Day at a Time, time. The, it's a reboot of the 70s uh, Norman Lear version that starred Bonnie Franklin Valerie Bertinelli Mackenzie and Mackenzie Phillips. Phillips and the kid who we don't know Glenn Scarpelli Glenn, Glenn Scarpelli was his name the only reason I know about Glenn Scarpelli's name so quickly is because for some reason they used to do like one-page comic strips in Archie Comics mm-hmm. of Glenn Scarpelli. Mm-hmm. Don't know why. So, do we expect to see that ca- that character in Riverdale? Well, no, in not Riverdale. <laughs> in, what do you call it? Hawthorne. Hawthorne. <laughs> we'll wait and see. Oh, that's tying back to podcast <laughs> number one. Back to episode one already. Already, we're, we're self-referencing. Um, but no, one day at a time. It's uh, so it's a reboot. But what they've done is. The story now centers around a Cuban-American family. It's um, Rita Moreno plays the mother, the, the grandmother. Um, Justina Machado plays the, mo- the single mother with two children. And they live in, you know, the building. And then there's the landlord, Schneider. And there's, you know, a whole lot of backstory there. It's created by a fellow Cuban-American called Gloria, uh, named Gloria Calderon Kellett. She's an executive producer on the show, a creator. She's also been an executive producer on shows like How I Met Your Mother and a writer on Jane the Virgin. Is Norman Lear still involved in this? Norman Lear is still involved in it. He is uh, credited as one of the producers. And God bless him, he's in his upper 90s. Yeah. I mean, he's he's up there. No, but it's good that he was able to give his blessing to the... Yeah, exactly, reboot. exactly. And it, it really is, you know, it follows the same format. You know, trials and tribulations of a single family, but with the added thing of, of being Hispanic. And again, as Cubans, we, we watch it and automatically it's just like, wait, this is our life. Like the first thing I, I remember telling you when I first saw it was... I didn't know anything about the behind the scenes. I didn't know about the creator or whatever. I was like, whoever created this, whoever's writing this, has to be Cuban. They have to be. Because there's too many little incidents and just in-jokes and the details were just... I mean, they don't just drink coffee. They drink cafe burtelo. They, you know, they the first episode, I think, they were eating ropa vieja. Right. You know, it wasn't and they were putting it in the country croc. Uh. <laughs> Everything was in the country croc tubs. Which, but I know that that's very Hispanic yeah. across the board. Yeah. Like, I mean... The I, country croc tubs... You, you know it never funny. has butter. You know it's funny? It never has butter. It's funny when, when, when something happens to you or you, you, you know, you see something and you think you're the only person that picks up on it. Right. right. That's how I felt about, you know, the Danish cookie tin. That my grandmother and it was like sewing materials. Ponia, and she always put her sewing at tomatico uh-huh. with the yes. pins, yes. el hilo. She had so much hilo. 
In the <laughs> meanwhile, I don't remember my grandmother sewing that much. Well, my grandmother, but, my grandmother does sew. Oh, okay. You know, in the Royal Don's claro, <laughs> and, and those cookies are so good. And you know, when you would open up the cookie tin, there it was filled with needles and whatever. Yeah, and you should not be. And that was the case in my house. But right. you know, again, when you're a kid, you don't have the perspective that other people do this, and it's a meme. <laughs> like, and, and, it's so popular that it's a meme. But that's why I love this show so much, is because you know, it's it's, and I hate to say this because I sound like a talking head almost, right? Like, but. It's representation. Representation, mm-hmm. it goes such a long way. I mean, just the fact that we watch this and, and it's like, oh my God, I get that. I know that person. I know that character. I've lived that experience. Well, um, it's, it's representation, but it's also well done. Because the problem with Hispanic representation on American television is that they paint all Hispanics with one brush. And although Historically, I think it's gotten it, better in the last It's, it's gotten years. better. It's gotten better. But, you know, they paint everybody with one brush. And although certainly there are things that all Hispanics have in common, you know, most notably like the, the familial or like you right. know, family interactions. It's right. very, it's very, it's very much the same. There's you know? that common thread. That, that common thread. Although there is a large common thread among all Hispanic communities and nationalities, you know, there are very distinct differences as well. And for years, we've always been painted in one you know, with one brush in, in one way. Well, and a perfect example, I mean, if you go as far back as I Love Lucy, obviously, mm-hmm. I, what I would argue is probably the most famous Cuban ever, mm-hmm. you know, Desi Arnaz. The first one on television. The first one on television, who pioneered, by the way, live TV. I just, mm-hmm. I can't stress that enough. He's actually kind of one of my, my, my cultural heroes. I mean, the reason we have the three-camera, multi-camera sitcom is because he pioneered that technique. That is something that was created at Desi Lu. And because of him, we've got all these, you know, the, the sitcom format as we know it exists because of, uh, you know. Hey, we should give him the last Coke of the desert. Listen, I will give him as many Cokes as he wants. Desi Arnaz is, like, just up there. But watching old I Love Lucy episodes, you know, you see where they obviously they reference he's Cuban, he's Cuban, he's Cuban, he's Cuban. But then when it got down to the details of it, it was very Mexican. Mm-hmm. What you saw a lot of, you know, when Lucy would try to put together a Cuban party to remind him of his youth, it was people in sombreros. And they would have, you know, the piñata with the bat, which is, we do have piñatas in Cuba, but they're the, the, the Cuban piñatas, which has the string underneath yeah. and you pull on it. So, again, kudos, because we're talking about the 1950s and they were able to... Anybody, portray, right? Any, I mean, any, any any portrayal, any representation, no matter Hispanic how was a win. Yeah, no matter how skewed. I mean, we're gonna take it; it's a win. But you know, they had to, I guess, go with what people knew. Right. And and now we've come. We're in 2018, where you know we've got these people, this cast, and they are on you know on Netflix, which is a pioneer in and of itself, really portraying an accurate depiction of a Cuban American family. Well, let me today. ask you this though, because obviously you know, however you know, nowadays everybody has an opinion. Yeah. we have a podcast. Listen, opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one, and some of them stink. <laughs> but are you bothered over the fact that none of the cast is Cuban? <sighs> They're I... Puerto Rican. And as we discussed in episode three, uh, it's, it's close enough it's that it's the same it's... difference. Right. You know? <laughs> so here's the thing. I I would prefer... Okay. If I had my, my preference, I would love for them to all be Cuban or Cuban-American, right? I would. I think that would be ideal. Mm-hmm. With that said, we have a mother trucking EGOT winner portraying one of us. Okay, mm-hmm. we got the legendary Rita Moreno. So I'm going to take Rita Moreno portraying one of my people and any for damn those day of the week. We don't okay? know what EGOT is. Oh, it's sure. Emmy, uh, Oscar, Tony, and Grammy. Correct. <laughs> so she's won everything and she's phenomenal. She is a sensation. She, I mean, I'll take it. I'm not going to be upset about that. Now, another thing I'll say though is 
Yes, the cast, at the very least, the adults are. I don't know what the children ethnicity is, but they are Puerto Rican. With that said, it's all about also who's right for the job. You know, we don't know what the casting process was like. Maybe they auditioned, you know, 800 people, and out of those 800, you know, 700 were Cuban, and right. they just weren't the right fit. I, and- I don't have a problem with it whatsoever, because at the end of the day, it's acting. And at the end of the day, as you said, I think what's important is the content. I think that... And the accents are correct. I mean, they do the pronunciations and everything, so they don't even sound Puerto Rican. What what is important is the content. To me, it doesn't matter who the vehicle is, Mm -hmm. as long as you get the content on point. Because if you would have had Cuban actors on there, but the writers were not Cuban, and you wouldn't have picked on those idiosyncrasies that, you know, each nationality has then how good is it to have you know whatever cuban actor on there i i don't have a problem with that at all like i don't have a problem when you know i know that um for example a lot of people were really upset that they gave um uh what's his name darren chris Mm -hmm. Uh, he's playing andrew kunanin that's right you know and he's not gay a lot of people are really upset that you know there's so many gay actors yeah, but you're whether you're also, no matter no matter where you are, also, you're an actor. Darren Chris kind of looks like Andrew Cunanan. But but even you're aside, not gonna put Neil Patrick Harris. Even aside from that, like at the end of the day, you're an actor. That right. is your job to convey someone else. So I don't have a problem with that, and people get up in arms about that. I I you know as long as the content is what it should be and is accurate, right. that I think is what's important. It's about intention. Yes, it, it's yeah. I, I agree with you a thousand and twelve percent, and. Again, I think it's and you know and because perhaps of the success of the show on Netflix, um, this this fantastic woman Gloria Calderon Calet is now working with CBS mm-hmm. um, for a series. I don't know if it's been picked up. I know they're doing the pilot. It's called The History of Them, and it's basically about this inter. I hate using the word interracial because I feel like Hispanics aren't a race, but um, the the girl is Hispanic and the guy is you know white American, and it's about them coming together and their families coming together. So it's a little culture clash thing. <laughs> so it's kind of like fools rush in with some Hayek, pretty and, much, uh, pretty and, much, and Chandler and Matthew Perry. But she's taking that whole Hispanic, you know, her her knowledge and her background, and she's continuing to to use her power to amplify her experience, and I think that's fantastic. You know, and just to, I, I don't want to cut you off, but. In this particular case, she has cast a Cuban in the mm-hmm. lead role because it is Ana Villafañe, who you and I saw portray Gloria Stefan on Broadway. Oh, that was her, uh, the, when we saw it in New York? When we saw it in New York. Okay. That's her, and she is a Miami native. She is Cuban. She went to Lourdes. She, she went to Lourdes. Lourdes. Listen, if you're from Miami, you can't get more Cuban, you know, girl. niña buena cubana. <laughs> Our Lady of Lourdes. Our Lady of Lourdes. So... You know, she's she's doing what she can. And I think that that's the underlying... The thing we need to take away from this is like, you know what? Yes, she may cast a Puerto Rican to play a Cuban or a Mexican to play a Nicaraguan. I don't know. But it's, it's coming from a good place. And she's still pushing out our stories. And I know how preachy that sounds. And I flipping hate preachy shit. But that's the underlying thing that I, that I think we need to stress and, and really be a part of at the end of the day. Well, there we go. I'm so succinct. One day at a time. One day at a time. What were you telling me about the... Um, <clears throat> because there's something else I want to mention about One Day at a Time, the reboot. And again, those of you who haven't seen it, I I can't stress enough. It's just, it's really, really funny. Season one and two are streaming, so there's it's, no excuse. I mean, come on. It's based on the original one, which, by the way, the original One Day at a Time, obviously, that show ran in the mid... Like, late 70s? No, it ran from, like... 
One Day at a Time had a really long run. It had like a run of like 10 or 11 years. If you think about it, Valerie Bertinelli was like... 25 by the time it ended. She was a tween at the beginning of the show. And when it ended, she was married. Um, So it ran from like the mid-70s to like the early mid-80s. Okay. And um, what... When we saw it, I used to watch it when I was a yep. kid in the 80s. After school. Already in syndication. <laughs> Back but, in our day, there were only four channels. But I guess we, you know, as a ch- as a kid in the 80s, I didn't realize the cultural impact that that show had. She was the first divorced woman on a sitcom that she'd be the main character. Mm, I don't know if that's true. Yeah, that's, that's I what I... I don't know d- if divorced. that's true because... Well, okay, divorce me because I don't know because uh, Diane Carroll... Was Julie when she played Julia mm-hmm. on the sitcom on the sitcom Julia? I know that she was the first. I want to say single mother, but maybe she was a widow. I don't know mm-hmm. what I don't know what. No, she was the whole thing here was divorced because okay. there wasn't a man, and one day at a time there wasn't a male lead. No, the closest male Schneider. lead was Schneider, and he was a supporting actor. Right, right. right. So I, it was like very pioneering the show yeah. at the time, and you know she got a job and she raised her her daughters, and that's something that now you don't even think about, but. You know, in 1974, it was a yeah, big it was, it was deal. Huge, yeah. So that's why that show is so. I guess even today, it's kind of it has a, a special place. In, in so what history. were you saying about that in the? Because I haven't seen. I saw all of season one, but I haven't seen season two yet. So what happens in season two? That I don't so, know about. So okay, so season two is it's much better narratively structured and, and what have you. And it sounds like an inform, we're doing an infomercial for one day at a time mm-hmm. at this point. But um, so if one day at a time or the production company, which is Netflix, <laughs> wants to sponsor us, hey, we're here. We we, we love the show and we'll we'll hell we, we sponsor love us. We'll be on it. We can we can we can balance the Cuban uh, quotient Listen, on the show. I was subscribed to Netflix when it was a competitor to Blockbuster Video. Oh wow, what a difference. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> anyway, so um, the first episode, there's you know they, they tackle obviously a bunch of um, very sensitive topics that are relevant today, like racial profiling and things of that nature. And in the first episode of the season, they're talking about how the younger son is, is upset because this other kid called him a beaner, and how that's not you know the first time it's happened, et cetera, et cetera. And so as a result of that, the daughter is upset because she feels like she's never encountered these things because she looks white. So she's, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, passing. And in that moment, she starts using the phrase Latinx, at which point Rita Moreno character, the grandmother character, she's like, what the hell is Latinx? Is that like a Cuban Kleenex? (laughs) And so it it got me thinking on on that, that particular term, which was... Look, at the end of the day, you know, you want to call yourself a Fig Newton. I don't care. Do you think, or what are your feelings about the term Latinx? Because I feel like I get where it's coming from, as opposed to, for those of you who don't know, Latinx is basically the gender neutral version of Latino or Latina. So that's where it's coming from, as opposed to saying, oh, I'm Latino, I'm Latina, it's I'm Latinx, which means I'm just, I guess the, the mm-hmm. culture mm-hmm. my issue with it is that we already kind of have a word for that that's gender neutral it's called Hispanic mm-hmm. and so why do you feel the need to create this new you know what I mean this new uh, spin on it when, uh, when a word kind of already exists and that that's my whole thing is just I feel like we're just going out of our way now to create these words you are asking out the of the wrong <laughs> person because I can go on about this for hours <laughs> well we only have like 20 minutes but I'll so. try to be brief People have very different opinions about this depending on your life experiences and depending on your trajectory in life and how you identify. 
obviously certain labels for sake of a better word label mm -hmm. are needed to distinguish certain people from others right. not in a necessary derogatory way or even a, a, a racist way but just to just for headcount I guess right. but I think that and, and, and this is certainly a societal American thing you think so? I think so because we are obsessed with labels and subcultures and sub-labels and a sub-label of a sub-label and I'm this and I'm that and I'm that and it's like, oh my God. Like, you know, as I always say, you know who I am? I'm Darian. I'm DJ. I'm whatever you call me. I'm, that's who I am. You know, I, I feel that most people are way too complex to be assimilated in one label and we I, I live in a label-obsessed society. And why I say that is because, for example, let me give you an example back to our parents and okay. our parents generation and back from theirs in cuba and again we're bringing out cuba in cuba you either were either white or black but you were cuban period fair enough you were nothing else have you ever heard of tia juanita or tia whatever talk about fulano i'm who cuban was, italian i'm cuban I'm, this i'm cuban right, right, right. you're you're cuban that's right. what you are and obviously in the united states it's a little bit different because we live in a much more diverse country right. where you know there's yeah, a ton of immigrants and, right. and and people identify in different ways not only nationality in terms of national cultural you know whether it's your race your ethnicity your gender your sexuality i get it but i think that we are living in such a label hyper. obsessed hyper label obsessed society right now that within labels they're sub labeling and then everybody's <laughs> kind of like you know going to their own little subgroup and then it's like oh we're this and this and this and you're that and that and that and and i i just think it's i think it's crap and and again i understand i understand that depending on where you're from and what your walk of life is it's important because I always think about, like, let's talk about in terms of labels, in terms of sexuality. I always think about, like, that one kid living in the Bible Belt right. in whatever state in the Bible Belt right. who doesn't know anybody who's gay. It Probably their family still thinks it's a sin. They they don't know anybody personally. There's nobody in their town. There's nobody. They just feel alone. They, they feel alone. They feel like an outcast. There's nobody they, that understands them. And then right. they finally come out and move to wherever. And there's a certain sense of empowerment to say, I'm a gay I person. Belong. I belong. I belong. To, I belong. Your tribe, I'm, I'm this, I'm your that, tribe. whatever. Right. I understand that there's cert certain empowerment to that, or you know, or whatever other, mm -hmm. you know, whatever right. other other thing you are, whatever. But and this is a very basic human need. I mean, right. like taking everything else out of it. I mean, again, you and I have had the same circle of friends for 20 plus years, and it's based on a certain degree of that, where it's like these are people who understand, right, me right, for but, whatever. But, but there comes a point though that the labeling is so prevalent and people are so gung-ho on like i am this 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 and this it's like an outline you know what i mean mm -hmm. like remember when you would do the outlines in school it's like roman numeral number one subsection a you know uh, lowercase letter i you know you know <laughs> b in parentheses you know it's like oh you know i'm a left-handed liberal you know uh <laughs> october born um you know it's like well, where, remember, where does it stop? Do you remember the, the the sitcom Happy Endings? Of course, there was. It's a fantastic sitcom. It's streaming on Hulu for those of you who want to bring it back. Bring it back. back. Um, there was an episode where Max, the the gay mm -hmm. character, was actually trying to find his subgroup. And I think recently, and I fall into this trap as well. You know, there's a lot of gay subgroups. You know, there's you know there's mother, there's bears, there's twinks, there's wolves, there's otters, there's genderqueer. There's I mean, when, when are we gonna have giraffes? 
(laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, moving forward, henceforth, all tall gay men shall be known as giraffes. And then then if you're a hairy giraffe, you're a llama. Okay, this is so not what I was expecting. And if you're a small. And then but this is gonna happen. Art of, art of pop. Okay, never mind. Stop. Stop. So wait, stop. But if you're a Hispa- if you're a tall Hispanic one, are you an alpaca? Instead of an alpaca. alpaca. Okay, got it. Got it. We're gonna let this. Is... Come mierda. Wow. <laughs> okay, moving right along. Back to one so day at a time. Yeah, you know what? Let's just take it back to. But but again, <laughs> it also happens to be what that. Okay, a little backtrack. Giraffes. Are our favorite animals? Yeah, so underappreciated. So underappreciated. Nobody ever talks about freaking giraffes, and giraffes kick ass. But you I know, love giraffes. I feel like at the local zoo here, giraffes get a lot of love because yeah. everybody lines up to go feed them. Th- that's true. That's true. They, so they in Miami, we love giraffes. We love giraffes. In Miami, Miami. Yes. the Metro Zoo, we love. I can't. Miami. I can't speak to any other uh, any other DMA, but <laughs> Miami, we absolutely love giraffes. Um, I don't even know where the hell I was going with any of this, but I think. To do it, <laughs> No, but to your point, it's like, yeah, there's just it's labels upon labels upon labels. And I think, again, if you want to be called, you know, X, Y, or Z, that's fine. That's all up to you and God bless and knock yourself out. But it's, I also have, the biggest issue I have is when people correct you. Uh-huh. And I don't have a problem with being corrected. I have a problem with how you correct me. Mm-hmm. If I'm just being stream of consciousness and I say, you know, oh, Latino, and you say, oh, no, sorry, it's Latinx. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And I, but if, you know, and I try to correct myself and I try to catch myself, you know, you're talking about years upon years upon years of, of changing thought. And I think it's something similar with people who identify as, and, as gender fluid mm-hmm. using the plural mm-hmm. pronouns as opposed to uh, he and she. So they use they, them, we. I have an inherent problem with this. Mm-hmm. Not again from a label perspective, but from a grammar Nazi perspective. <laughs> How many people you got up in there? Like, listen, if as a society we can agree that fleek is now a word, I'm sure we can get together and create a word listen, for you being gender fluid. If fleek and fetch didn't happen. Fleek happened. Fleek is still a well, thing. Actually, that's true. Fleek, fleek did is still happen. a thing. That's what I'm saying. If we can agree that things like fleek is a word. By the way, I know I asked you several times when fleek was fleeking, but did we ever find out what the actual definition of fleek was? No, because I really no. wasn't. No, because there is no there is no definition. I think it started when Nicki Minaj was talking about her eyebrows on Instagram or something. And people just ran with it. And again, if we as a society can decide this is now a word, mm-hmm. we can come together. Like let's pool our resources. Let's let's find a word that accurately describes somebody who identifies as gender fluid. Because I think that by saying by using the plural pronouns, mm-hmm. it's number one. It's just it's grammatically incorrect, and I, and I and again, maybe I'm showing my age, but I, I just don't, and I don't even think that's an accurate representation. It doesn't mean that you're multiple people. You know what? You're still though, one I, person, I, and and I want to. I, I I will say. I, I want to help them. I want to help them find a new word. I will say it at this. Um, See, I just said them, I'm, and I'm, am I talking about the group? Am I talking about one person? I don't know. I, I am. I'm a big fan of the View. I watch the View every day, and. Um, Whoopi Goldberg, as you know, is on The View. Yes. And Whoopi, she's, she's said this a few times, and I think it's very relevant to what we're talking about. Whoopi says, I've been... I've been colored. Mm-hmm. I've been... She says, I've been labeled colored, then we were Negroes, then we were black, and now we're African-American. And she says, I'm Whoopi. 
Because she's been called so many things in her life. You know, when she was a little girl, we refer right. to black people changed. as colored, yeah. then Negro, then black, now African American. So she's like, I'm Whoopi. And and I, I think that's I think her name is Whoopi. You can just be Whoopi. <laughs> um, but what's her real name? Isn't it like um, it's? I think it's like Karen Johnson. Yeah, it's like Karen. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's like the most benign. Yeah, it is. It like, is because just, she's she's referred sometimes to the name Karen, like when she's you know right, telling right. like an old story of her mom, like right, talking. Right, she's right. like Karen, you know, and it's like oh that's right, Karen is Whoopi. Um, but I think she puts it best, you know that. Labels can be so interchangeable. I mean, obviously, some labels are very significant, mm-hmm. but there, then there's so many other labels that are so not significant. And right. at, at the way, at the end of the day, do they do more harm than good? Because when you identify, when you are the type of person that you feel identified by a label, and you are that person, maybe I'm, I'm certainly not that person, and neither are you. But if you are the type of person, and there are a lot of people out there that feel identified by a label and a sub-label. Is that more good than bad? Because now you're you're attaching yourself to other people that I think you're putting yourself in a box yeah. that other people may have certain connotations about one way or the other. Yeah, I think I, actually one of the I love this story is and it's a very brief story. Um, actually, has to do with you, where I think somebody said something to the effect of, "Oh, you don't look like a lawyer," right? And your response was, "Thank you." Yeah, thank you. Because it, you know, you're, I would get that all the time. That's not what you. I mean, that's what you do. That's not who you Why are. I am, right. right. To some people, being a lawyer or being a doctor or being whatever is very much identifiable to who they are. Right, to right. me, it's what I do. It's not who I am. Yeah. And I used to get that all the time. And it's like, okay, whatever. I'm just un tremendo con mi That's, I mean... Actually, you know what? Now that you we were talking about one day at a time, um, there is something actually from that show... Currently that, streaming on Netflix. That's from season one. Okay. That I think it's a really relevant... Well, it's always relevant discussion that I think our listeners would enjoy. We love saying listeners, by the way. But we do. We do, because we have them. And it's funny, because I think that our Cuban or Hispanic listeners are going to see this issue one way, and I think that our non-Cuban or non-Hispanic listeners are going to see it another way. Are we going to be talking about how to properly season a lechon? No. Okay. Because I feel... (laughs) That'll be the next podcast. That's what they would have. That that very strong. That will be our holiday edition of Ah, Pedro Lamigue. Do you use... Goya adobo light or Badia naranja. Or do you do it your own from your own naranja tree? Have you ever tried doing it on your own? No. Do you know naranja you have to use? No. So, anyway, so in the first episode, in the first episode of uh, One Day at a Time Season 1, I'm not sure if it was the first episode or one of the very first episodes, mm-hmm. Schneider, the episode of Schneider, oh. the, the character of Schneider comes in and he he's wearing like a, a shirt and then he takes off, he's wearing like a button shirt and then he takes off that shirt to reveal a Che Guevara t-shirt. And when he reveals this shirt in a Cuban household, it was perfect. Shit gets crazy. It was perfect. The reaction <laughs> that they all had gets crazy from the kids all the way up to the abuela. They all freaked yes, out, and it was perfect yes. because for Cubans, Che Guevara is the equivalent of Hitler. I mean, he really to, Hitler is to Jews what Che, che Guevara is, is to yeah. Cubans. I mean, if you, my dad is a very, very and peaceful man. You think we're exaggerating? I'm not. No. I'm like, not. you walk into my parents' house with a Che Guevara hat, and my dad will get a machete and follow you. Like, it, that is unacceptable, period. Right. So, obviously, that opens the conversation about Che Guevara and um, T-shirts. Specifically T-shirts, because you see most... People wearing him on t-shirts. It also makes me very conflicted when I watch Evita. 
Well, actually, I would have to play the lead if I was doing Evita. So I have to be Che, but I'm Cuban. Uh, you know what? Just don't even bother calling me, um, you know, producers. I won't do it. I won't. I won't. But thank you for your well, but the, that I've just created the, on my own. The Madonna movie and both the updated uh, mm-hmm. musical, Che's dressed in regular clothing, not in uh, military gear. Oh, the touring version that I saw, he was just... Like, when I saw it on Broadway with Ricky Martin, with Ricky Martin, he was dressed normal of the time. And in, Did he tell you to visit his Puerto Rico? No. <laughs> and... Uh, Talk about the Dalai Lama. And um, when I saw, and in the movie, in Madonna's movie, he's dressed. He's dressed all the time. He's well, but I mean, in the movie, I mean, it, you have multiple scenes. You know what I mean? Like on, on stage, okay. you have to be a little but bit any, more. But anyway, a little bit more economical anyway, with your costumes. So, so the whole thing with Che Guevara. So, hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. A lot of people who are not Cuban see Che Guevara as this like revolutionist guy who is anti-establishment, who um, you know championed the poor working class. You know he came from a somewhat privileged background and he was a doctor, I believe. And you know allegedly he or legend, legend, Ooh, legend. legend, because you know there's a bit of fiction in legend. See, no, no, no. no. Um, the the legend goes that you know he got on his motorcycle and he that's right the motorcycle diaries right, was. And he went through different countries and different countrysides in Latin America and he saw all these people suffering and he was like, I'm going to champion so these like, people. Uh-huh. And, 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 you know, and, and, and these people are slaves of the corrupt governments, blah, 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 blah. Che Guevara is also very, you know, and, and, and this was in the 50s, so there's a lot of accounts of this. He's very he, he very famously said that the only property that a human should have or a person should have is his toothbrush. That's the only personal property. Ni desodorante. Not, not even the deodorant. So, yeah. Let me tell you something. If you're on a motorcycle going through the country, you should have at least, you know, some ban. Right. So uh, long skin so soft. So, I know. What I also find surprising is that um, it is not disputed. This is not something that's disputed. This is not, you know, allegations. It's, it's factual that he executed thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people during the Cuban Revolution. Fake news. <laughs> and during <laughs> during different coups in different Latin American countries, many of them were tortured. And a lot of these people were not, you know, rich people, were not um, powerful people. There were people simply that did not a- agree with his logic or did not agree so, uh, with his revolution. Middle class. Or even farmers. Like right. this is something that's not disputed. 
Um, obviously, for Cubans, it's very, very personal. And I've always tried to look at his story in the most unbiased way possible. Um, because, again, we do have a certain bias Correct. when it comes yeah. down to certain issues. Us? No. Um, I've always tried to see it in the most unbiased way possible. So I throw it to you. I, I what, what is it that so many people wear his shirt? Do they just not know? Do they care not to know? Because now, you know what? Now... What's the old saying? But but now we live in an age now where you're just a few swipes away well, of finding something out. I have so, said actually, and again, this is not disputed. The, the, I, his execution. I am. I say this a lot. I feel like now the more information we have at our fingertips, the less people know. <laughs> I feel like before the less you know, the less you know. And it's the star just like burning out, and but now the star goes backwards. It goes backwards. <laughs> it just goes back into a black hole somewhere. Because before you had to seek out knowledge, mm -hmm. I feel like once you learned it, there's a certain effort to seeking out knowledge. Effort to it. You, right. you learned it, you memorized it, you lived it. You 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 may not have remembered it to the nth degree, but it was there. Now because everything's at your fingertips, oh, I'll just look it up, and then you forget about it five mm -hmm. minutes later. So I think there's a certain there's something to be said for the more knowledge we have at our fingertips, the less knowledge we have in our brains. Mm -hmm. um, I also think, and I can't remember the damn saying right now. Um, it's one man's freedom fighter is another man's uh, terrorist or something, mm -hmm. something to that effect, right? right? So I think there's also that, that's, that's a factor that, you mm -hmm. know, it's, it's perception, right? But I think there's also something to be said about, and I'll speak to, you know, to America, this country, because it's a capital society, because it, there's this, there's this like sexiness. Mm -hmm. About the, being anti-establishment. Anti-establishment. The revolution. Oh, look mm -hmm. at me. I'm Allen Ginsberg. Ooh, I've got my beat poet with my snapping. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, there's just that... If you people could see him now, he's kind of like <laughs> doing a one-man show. <laughs> there's, you know, there's something to that mentality. And, you know, great. Okay, you want to be a revolutionary? Fantastic. But I always find it very fascinating and... There's a lot of people out there who I think fall into this, and I'm just going to throw Sean Penn as the umbrella mm -hmm. character. To go to these countries, to perceive these countries as so fantastic and look and revolution and da 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 Okay, yeah, but you say that here from your ivory tower. Right. You are here saying that our government sucks and should be more like XYZ government. I say XYZ a lot this episode. Um, because you can say that here. Right. Because you have that freedom, you have that opportunity. To say that you're going against the government here. If you go to these countries that you are touting as the example that we should all strive for and, oh, let us all be like the socialist government. Well, you go to that socialist government and if you, hey, we all got opinions, and you say like, you know what, this kind of sucks. Yeah, you don't have that freedom necessarily right. to do so. And so that's where I have the issue. Mm -hmm. Is this? You think it's, a, it's a hypocrisy. There's that hypocrisy to it. And again, like you keep saying, I know that there's bias. We, you know, mm -hmm. listening to a certain rhetoric and a certain point of view. And that obviously will paint everything. But I feel like for most people who, who wear the, the Che Guevara t-shirt, it's because, excuse me. You grow up in a white middle class neighborhood in Connecticut where you're expected to go to the prep school and then you go to, you know, the Ivy League school and then you go into your, you know, mm -hmm. 
white collar job. Well, okay, how you do how do you rebel? By wearing the Che Guevara t-shirt. Yeah. You know, yeah, I'm gonna show you. I don't believe in your bourgeoisie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As you drive off in your BMW. As you drive off in your BMW <laughs> to go get your pumpkin spice latte with your girlfriend who's wearing Uggs. You know, like and you're the most basic bitch alive. <laughs> But there's that, that. I think that's what it comes down to. Is like you when you have nothing to rebel. You know, when when you're trying to rebel against something, right? And well, that's that's the. I guess that's really to a degree that's the most extreme example. Well, I mean, what else has been commercialized? Well, with what you're saying, you can't wear Hitler on a t-shirt and be accepted, right? Well, because in, nor should you. In Germany, in Germany, any any um, sign of Hitler, like any image of Hitler or of the swastika, is illegal. Right. Right. Um, now, with what you're saying, it also helps the fact that many, um, you know, uh, whether it's musicians or in sports, um, you know, they wear it. Like, right. I, I love Jay-Z. I'm a big, big fan of Jay-Z. And Jay-Z, some years ago, when he did MTV Unplugged, you know, he was wearing a Che Guevara I don't have a problem with them going to Cuba. But, but my you know, point is, they're always there. So, of course, they don't see... Right, but you know, know what? Somebody like Jay-Z. Jay-Z is a very smart man. Whether you like him or not, whether you agree with him or not, I mean, he is where he is because he's intelligent, right? right? So I'm not going to say that, oh, it's some ignorant guy who's just wearing a shirt because somebody else is wearing it. Okay, fair so, so I ask myself, somebody like Jay-Z, who's a very intelligent where man. Where does that come from? I would like to think, I would like to think that if he's going to wear somebody's shirt, somebody's face, face on his shirt. That has a doctrine behind it. He's going to know really what that person, not, only, not what they stood for, but what that person did. What mm-hmm. that person did, because you know what, as we talked about before, you know, there's people who damn Christopher Columbus for killing natives, right. and yes, that was very, un- you know, that's very unfortunate. That uh, that's terrible, but that was, it was something very different too. I mean, we're but, but it was something of its time, and I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody thinks that that's a good thing. Right. But where, you know, where do we put him in the scale? Of, you you know, have to look at it from a from a certain kaleidoscope you can't look at it from the perspective of today right so it, it's a very it, 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 at very minimum it's very conf- conflictive mm-hmm. right but Che Guevara's uh, you know but that's all well and back to Christopher Columbus that was 500 years ago okay Che Guevara is from the 1950s there's still people living who were affected They're by from happened. the 1950s so and again the whole thing of his executions that's not something that is debated that if you go to Wikipedia it will tell you about that right you know so again, I, I, I wonder. Um, I some years ago when I was in Michigan, I I always used to um, I used to go to the regular library. I didn't go to the law library, and uh, so re- it, I feel like the regular library. You know, just wear jeans and a t-shirt. Well, no, no, because like, there was you know the, the the other library was more formal. Uh, the, law, the law library was filled yeah, with had a uh, transcontinental accent. <laughs> it was very no, much. I didn't mm. care for the law library, but anyway, well, in the regular the library, in the regular undergrad library, um, you know, I used to study in the main uh, study hall, and there was this kid in a table across from mine mm-hmm. who was wearing a Che Guevara shirt, mm-hmm. and you know, it was one of those days where I would spend like fourteen hours at the library. You know, some bullshit. So it was a like short day. No, short day. Fourteen <laughs> hours in the library, and you know, after spending. 14 hours in the same damn room you know you kind of become familiar with the people around you you kind of Stockholm syndrome yes. right <laughs> and I think I may have even told the kid like oh can you watch my stuff like oh, while I went to the bathroom so we had kind of broken the ice by the end of the day and um, at night when I was leaving this was like 2am in the morning Jeez. we started speaking and I, I asked him hey you know I noticed you're wearing Che Guevara on your shirt why, why are you wearing him right. and I didn't want to come from this like 
<laughs> right, you don't want to attack him. You don't want to attack him. You know, he's right. a communist. Murder. You know, I wanted to come from like, hey, you know, you tell that's me. that's what everyone at 2 a.m. wants to be attacked <laughs> you, with. You tell me, why are you wearing a shirt? Right. And it was your typical answer. Oh, man, he's like anti-establishment, you, you know, and he stood up for people who didn't have a voice. And, you know, he was like rich. And, you know, I think he, he was a doctor and he gave all that up to fight for like the poor man. And, you know, because we forget poor people all the time. And, you know, which I thought was interesting because looking back on it. He, I don't know if the kid was from Connecticut, but, you know, here I was at a pretty, you know, big school right, and, right, yeah, you yeah. know, in a pretty nice town and, and in the Midwest, know, he, he was, a, he was white and, you know, and, and nothing wrong with that, but, you know, he kind of did fit the demographic that you talked about a second ago, although I don't know where he was from. Um, but anyway, he, he said that and, and I, I asked him, oh, but I've also heard that you know he killed a lot of people and that he massacred you know right. villages on end he's like oh i've never heard that he's and never I, heard he that. had never heard because because you know what because again and all the narrative that, that you want this was a somewhat smart kid if he was in this school claro, you know, no, 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 he, wasn't, example, yeah. he was an idiot you know right, he was right. somewhat intelligent right, if, right, right. if he was where he was and yeah, you don't get to law school by not well no he wasn't in law school but you know whatever so um, he was just at the law library for no i was not at the law library oh, that's I was right. in this the undergrad law that's library. right this was this was the, <laughs> the listen to me man <sighs> um anyway the but, library but, that didn't get invited to galas <laughs> but but again it's <laughs> That's, your, your, you know, here he was wearing this right. guy's shirt right. and he didn't really know the whole story. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I invite people who don't know the whole story to go out and find out the whole story because knowledge is power. Yes. The more you know. And that's why I only wear t-shirts with the face of P as Adora. Yeah. How we've managed <laughs> to put P as Adora in all of our podcasts. I think we will have to dedicate one to her. I mean, at some point we're going to have to get into a little bit more about this. Piazzadora podcast should be like a special episode. Yes. A special Pero Let Me Tell You. I feel like it should be the Pero Let Me Tell You About Pia. Let me tell you about Pia. And our logo will change for it, for that. It could, it could, our logo could be on top of like butterfly wings. Ooh. And, um, and yeah. And uh, Piazzadora is wonderful. If if you want a good laugh, if you want a good laugh, I'm not kidding. Go to YouTube and look up Piazzadora and Jermaine Jackson. What's the name of the song? I Every time it rains or when just the, look that the rain comes I, down. Something, something about rain. rain. But just put Piazzadora and, and Jermaine Jackson. It will. It's a make, treat. It will. It's a treat. It will treat. make your day. It, it is wonderful. That is our gift. To our mm -hmm. listeners. Yes. The Isadora and Jermaine Jackson YouTube. So, have we reached that time? We have. I think it's time that we uh, we start awarding out our last cook of the desert. Our last sodas of the desert. And I went first last time. So Oh, my God. But I just had my chest feel. Okay. Okay, fine. I'll well, I can go first if you want. Okay, go first. Okay, so actually, mine is going to be um, really short and sweet. And it's probably going to make you think this was sponsored by Netflix. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just give my last cook of the desert to the creator of the new One Day at a Time. Mm -hmm. um, at Gloria Calderon Calet. You can find her on Instagram. You can find her on Twitter. Um, really for all the reasons that I said earlier. You know, I just really want to give her mad props for for presenting, you know, the Cuban-American experience in such a fantastically positive, humorous, and loving light. Um, I cry pretty much three episodes every season. Uh, it's that heartfelt. It's you that... cried? I cry. I've cried. The episode where... You're Rita, not dead inside. I am not dead inside. Contrary to popular <laughs> belief, the episode where Rita Moreno talks about her experience 
as a Pedro Pan mm-hmm. on the Peter Pan flights. My father uh, was a Pedro Pan. I'm crying from beginning to end of that of her of her speech and just I mean mm-hmm. it's it's phenomenal and again the fact that she's that this that this woman this creator is creating more things about the Hispanic experience is is just a testament and I think she should be applauded for it and I think we should all support her and you know support anybody who's going that extra mile for representation whether it's you know Gloria Calderon Khaled or Ava DuVernay for for really bringing more about the black experience uh, out I mean she's you know the director of A Wrinkle in Time and just people like like that who are really telling the stories that they know and how they know it to be true we should definitely be applauding that more and more yay so this coke's for you this coke's for you Gloria that was a coke tagline right I think it was. Oh my God, we've 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 unofficially because it'd be funny if we give like a Pepsi tagline to <laughs> this Coke's for you, like Coke the for those next, who think young, or or for what was it for the next generation or the generation the, the, new generation? That was a, that was the, the Pepsi ad with Max Hedron in the eighties, right? No, Max Hedron was Coke. Coke. Are you Coke. sure? Yeah, okay, well maybe I'm not. Okay, so it's time for my last Coke of the desert. Yep. Dun, dun. Speaking of crying, <clears throat> I'm going to give. My last Coke of the Desert to This Is Us. Ooh, okay. So, yes, obviously, This Is Us is very, very popular. Um, its ratings are through the roof, it's which crazy. is a good thing. I I love Mandy Moore. <laughs> I do. The, you know, let me tell you the thing about Mandy Moore, and we've talked a lot about her. Um, well, not on this podcast, but, not, but, but us. I'm not, a, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of her music, per se. I mean, let's just face it. At the time she came out with her music, that all that Britney pop was in. But even still, Seventeen is a good album. But she was she. Candy's a terrible song. Okay, but Seventeen is a no. I mean, I give her credit that she 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 tried. She grew. She grew. She tried. You know, she did that album when she you know she was probably like eighteen. Coverage, coverage, which is song of like the Carpenters and like you know songs from the seventies. I give her credit for wanting to do something new. But what made her famous was. You know, when she came out with Candy and all She's those... She's another cute blonde pop star. Walk Me Home. Oh, that's such a cute song. Yeah, her songs are terrible. Oh, like, I mean... But I always liked her. I always... There was something really... You know what? There was something really genuine about her. Right. Which wasn't so much with the other ones. Right. Because as much as you may love Britney... I love me, my Britney. Christina and whatever. Jessica yeah. was out. Yeah. Heiko. What was that? Why one Heiko? Hoku. Hoku. Willa Ford. Willa Ford. <laughs> All those girls were, they were manufactured. Yeah. I mean, let's, but there was something really genuine about Mandy Moore. And remember, I used to, I used to kid around with you that I used to tell you that Mandy Moore was such a like positive, like just soul that I used to say, like to be silly, I used to tell him all the time, like, you know, they just said Mandy Moore and Will Smith over to like the Middle East. <laughs> At the time, just, it was a Kuwait. And just that? spread peace because they're such like beloved figures. Like, who they doesn't do it? Who doesn't love Will Smith? I think they could. Let's explore this. Send them to North Korea. Who doesn't love Mandy Moore? It's just positive, right? Yeah. So when Mandy Moore was on This Is, you know, the promos for This Is Us started coming out. Remember what I told you? I told you, I'm really excited about this Mandy Moore show because Mandy Moore hadn't done a wa- a thing, anything in a while. Right, right. The last thing she had done was Tangled and we couldn't see her in it. We could only <laughs> hear her in it. So she hadn't done something in a while. So I'm really happy that she's back, you know, she's on TV. Right. And then I would tell you, right, but what I'm concerned about is everything that I watch on network television gets, gets canceled. canceled. But thankfully, This Is Us did not get canceled. And for those of you who watch This Is Us, you will understand what I'm saying. For those of you who don't, then you should. This Is Us, 
I, I, I feel that part of the success of that show has been the time that we live in. We're so divisive now, mm-hmm. so polarized. Everybody wants to fight with everybody. And here is this one-hour show. And you, you know what's great about, what's ironic, I mean, about the show? The show deals with some pretty terrible things right. from like drug abuse to anxiety oh, wow. attacks to their father dying you know obviously right. you know yeah, yeah, yeah. their father dying is a big story okay. to, like, to wait you know to weight loss to all i mean it deals with a lot of really right. hard subjects and the show makes you cry but you feel so i don't know you feel so humanized watching the show and i think that part of the success has been the time that we live in i think that if this show would have aired in a happy-go-lucky time for us as a country maybe it wouldn't have been as successful because i think at the end of the day people kind of want to feel good and people want to feel humanized and relatable to something or someone and again it's you want to be relatable and you want to feel like you're being represented and somebody's understanding what you're going that show is so well written that i'll tell you this um and and you should I, I he hasn't watched it and you should watch it. I know I just feel like I've missed so the bandwagon. One, one, well, the bandwa- the wagon is still there. <laughs> the, the the character of Kevin, right? Which one is Kevin? Kevin is the blonde guy. The, oh, okay, the, Justin right. Hartley. He's right, Justin Hartley. Right. You know, he's like the good-looking guy. Right. He's like the stud. You know, right. whatever. He could have. He's sort of shallow, mm-hmm. right? And he's very narcissistic. Right. That is a very one-dimensional stereotype we have of people that are like him that are right. pretty boys right mm-hmm. he could have very well just and he is narcissistic and he's very self-involved he is okay. he is but that they could have just left it there right and been like oh you know that's just it this he's the pretty boy who always gets what he wants and you know whatever and left it there and that's it the depth of his character is freaking insane and what he's gone through is insane. And that just goes to good writing. Right. I mean, there, there was an episode this season about him. Because this season, there was an episode of each one of the siblings. Oh, okay. just, just about, for them. Just for him, then just for his sister, one for Randall. Um, and his episode was, like, insanely good. Because he appears to be one-dimensional, but he is far from it. So, again, yeah. I think that show just makes people feel... It makes you cry and be emotional as fuck, but then it makes you feel very good at, at the same time. So my last Coke to the desert, my my two liter Coke goes to Mandy Moore and the rest of the cast gets cans. Because I just like Mandy Moore. I feel it's just because you cry so much you need to hydrate afterwards. I didn't cry. Who says I cry? <laughs> Lies, everybody. Lies. He's not dead inside either. Um, so I guess th- there you have it. Those are our, those are our sodas. Uh, Pero le- we told them. Pero we did. We told you and we done told you that all and then some. <laughs> anyway, anyway, everybody, have you made it this far? Thank you for listening. Yes, Episode and, four. And again, follow us on Instagram uh, at Pero Let Me Tell You on Facebook. Our Facebook page is also Pero Let Me Tell You. And feel free to sh- drop us a line at Gmail. Pero Let Me Podcast at gmail.com. All right. So grab your croqueta and your batelito and your jupinha. I'm so sad I already finished my jupinha. Oh, well, we need we need to get the bigger can. Yeah, we need to start getting that two-liter shit. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Have All a good right, one. Guys. Bye. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.